This is Combat Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, how are you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing just fine, John. And yourself? Oh, I'm doing pretty damn good, actually. Um, the weather's warm. It's summer, middle of July. Middle of July. Hey, you know what that means. Forest fires. Oh, and Comic-Con. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. How could you forget Comic-Con? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> it's the forest fires you want to forget. Yes, especially since this podcast is going will be going up right in time for for preview night. All right, so it sounds like that you're going to have a good time, and hopefully you get a good stash when you go over there, and you know, and you search the uh, the good old bins. Yes, so I mean, that's that's almost not not in question considering how things go. I just the question is that how much is that um, apparently there's a grip of stuff that they were offering this week um, through previews that. Um, it's right. Resulted in like an insane. I mean, like this is stuff that I consider that I consider okay. I need to buy this. I need to buy this. Mm-hmm. But um, when but then when I um, it's like when I got around to actually picking it up, I was like, God, damn, how much? I mean, like it's like eleven things from this, like from the ship from this um this particular week that I needed to, to buy. Okay, because stuff I wanted to get like here it is. It's like the unwritten volume nine. MPD Psycho, Volume 11. The Murder Me Dead reprint from Image. Sex, Volume 2, super cool. Gantz, Volume 32. Captain America, Volume 30, Volume 2. Castaway in Dimension Z, Volume 2, hard, um, softcover. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Volume 3, in hardcover. Finally, after two, three years. Um, the, the Star Wars hardcover from Dark Horse. Um, Wolver- um, volume 1 of the latest um, Wolverine volume from Paul Cornell and Marvel. Um, volume Avengers Volume Five from Hickman, Wolverine Origin Origin Two from um, from Kieran Gillen, which I'm hey, there's no way I'm not gonna pass up something from him, and um, Walking Dead Volume Twenty One All Out War Volume Two. So, I mean, it's like it's like holy shit, man! Like there's all this fucking stuff that um, I may just have to like like um, pick up at the convention and then just um, cancel from um, from my Amazon orders, but. This is just boring, boring ass bullshit. That I'm sure you, lo- everyone loves hearing about like, what I'm going to buy here. So let's let's move on from this and let's talk about um, let's talk about Arkham City for a second because I started playing that again after several months and because like I've I've been wanting to get into it back into it after after a while because like it's it's such a fantastic game in terms of how. It's like how well it just like um, adapts the like the gameplay of Ark- Arkham Asylum to an open world environment, and just just um, broad just like broadens the scope, um, gives Batman a lot more interesting stuff to do, and um, just is a huge improvement over the over the basic style of of Arkham of Arkham Asylum. Arkham City hands down the best digital Batman simulator money can buy, at least until um, Rocksteady's uh, you know, final installment in the trilogy, um, Arkham Knight, comes out. Well, because I'm hoping hoping they'll be able they'll be able to top themselves, and you know now I've got my new PC, I'll be able to pick up um, Arkham Origins as a really cheap ass download um, before that happens. That's what but I was going to ask you: is what platform was that on? Uh, this is PS3 because I got locked into the PS3 upgrade path for this one because Arkham Asylum offered unplayable Joker um, um, when they uh, in the in the challenge maps when um, when it was released, and hey, I. I never actually got around to playing the challenge maps in um, Arkham Asylum, but hey, they were offering free free content that Xbox didn't have. So hey, that basically made up my mind for me. So there, there you go. Anyway, but my point, but get taking the long way around things. Um, 
the storyline, it's basically, it's really energetic um, fan fiction from Paul Dini, who, um, who, like, who um, everyone knows as one of the chief architects behind, um, behind Batman, the animated series, which, which basically um, everyone loves that, that show. And it's responsible for like, cementing a lot of um, people's love of, love of Batman in the 90s, and as well as introducing him to the character, period. Now, at one point, now, at one point, though, I mean, the story centers, centers around Batman um, um, being poisoned by Joker after he's injected with the Joker's blood, and and at one point, um, it looks like Joker looks like the Joker has stolen the cure, and now he's used to get get all well again. And um, after after Batman breaks into his steel his steel mill his steel mill hideout, um, he's greeted by a after he beats up some of the thugs, he's greeted by this one um, PR message from the Joker, just talking about, "Hey, it's like I'm I'm back and I'm better than ever." And it's like, and hey, you know, how did I get this? How did I get this way? Oh, you don't need answers. I mean, just just get a just think about your favorite TV show and how they've like how they've given you all they've they've been with you through the thick thick and thin like and um then it's like then they and then they answer, they tell they finally tell you what it's all about. It's like. What were they doing? Why were they here? How did they? What were they all doing in a church at the end? And if you've ever watched Lost, then you know that that's a very pointed reference to the um, series finale of the show, which I didn't hate compared um, to a lot of uh, other what I've heard about. A lot of other people th- thought about this series, but it's also worth noting that um, Paul Dini was actually um, one of the um, executive producers and writers of on the early seasons of the show. It's also worth noting that even though um, like the Joker's trolling um, everyone about getting answers for his condition. We actually do get the answers to the con- condition just a couple hours later, or not just not that not that much longer later, depending on how much how close you you want to um, dive into the last part after I'm um, getting getting to that bit. But it's still worth noting because you know because just the whole idea that you know some, that it's never really the answers that matter for a for like a long running series it's all about you know the characters and whether or not they can make you um you know like basically get you, get you to go along with that with everything up until the point that you know like the series the series run goes um gets gets reached to reaches to its climax people who created lost would have you believe that it's all about the characters but then they um but they threw up so much crazy ass shit over the course of the series and they failed to um deliver on on a lot of this stuff, I mean, I could deal with a lot of this stuff except for Walt, but that's that's how I that's how I feel. But it's also worth noting that they released they had their final um, bonus video with the uh, series box set was this gigantic amount of sour grapes from the creators at the fans who demanded answers, and all the answers they gave were just so inconsequential, inconsequential and worthless that you wonder well, why the fuck didn't you give this. Um, information out in the series if it, was, if it didn't matter that much. So there's a lot of red herrings in the show? Is that what you're saying? No, there. Are, no, I'm saying there aren't any red herrings. They just um, don't answer a lot of stuff. Period. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Battlestar Galactica um, could, on one hand, it, it's actually, even though it's like it didn't, everything didn't quite hold together Perfectly uh, over the course of the series, it's still a, they still did a lot better job in terms of paying off, um, in terms in terms of, like the stuff they set up over the cor- course of the series, and also just you know finding ways to paper over the issues that you know they had to deal with in terms of the you know, care- people who wanted out of their contracts and whatnot. I understand, but there's a little bit of a um, you know 
you know, well, we'll lead you on a little bit this way. And I've seen that in plots and, you know, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't know, say that. It's like, okay, well, there's no answer here. Move along. Move along. Exactly. And I think that's why, I mean, there's there's a lot, been a lot of bitterness um, over the series I think has really has yet yet to dissipate in the last couple of, couple of years, and um, it's and uh, and just hearing just hearing the Joker go on about that in in Arkham City was was actually was just was really quite quite cathartic in a way. But this is all taking the very very long way around to our su- to our subject tonight, and that's two series that um, do owe a lot to the lost style of storytelling in the sense that they're they're giving they're setting up lots of crazy situations lots of like you know what the fuck is going on here Wh- why are we what are we doing here and um cra- crazy as shit like time travel mind control um reality uh, abilities that um defy defy reality stuff like that and but more importantly it's like they're also the kind of um series that um for me at least make me go okay um, I'm actually going to need to stop, sit back, and um, reread things after a certain point. So that's I mean, this is like the like the minor reread for me, and um, because of these two series I'm talking about, the first one that basically prompted me to do this in the first place was Morning Glories. Now I talked about this series, what I think we're talking almost two years ago, also in front of a uh, you know, this is a pre Comic Con podcast, and um, in in the in the uh, two years since since they released Volume Three. Um, things have, um, gotten progressively, uh, crazier and more, it's like I'm more off, off the rails since then. I mean, I said before that, um, it benefits from the fact that, you know, right, that it's written, it's the, um, the brainchild of one man, um, Nick Spencer, um, writing, and, um, he doesn't have to deal with, um, the issues that Lost had in terms of budget and, um, well, not really budget, but just, um, dealing with, um, cast members who, who either wanted to leave or and then um and then but or weren't available for the times that they needed them to be um so he's just got he and um right and artist um Joe Isma are basically um working are basically working um basically have all the uh, tools they need and so they basically they basically only have them themselves to blame if things things don't fit if things don't work out the way they 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 plan but as things have gone on since then like from volume four onwards, I've really felt this um, feeling that um, that's like, well, I'm going that if I'm going to like enjoy the series, I'm actually going to go and need to reread every um, volume before a new volume comes out. I, I that's that's how I that's why volume six I'm um, sat for over a month on my desk before I finally got around to reading it, and um, I had to like, actually go to consult online to find out. Um, like, hey, who who was Daniel Clark- Clarkson again? Turns out she's on um, the time traveling version of one of the, the original Morning Glories. Um, Casey, um, after she went to a cave during the uh, whole the, the um, episode where everyone um, disappeared disappeared into ta- into some sort of like uh, t- um, limitless timeless state during the Wood Run. And we're st- I'm still wondering like, yo, how the fuck that happened in the first in the first place? I mean. The, the characters themselves are interesting, um, but it's also a bad also a bad sign when um, your character that everyone likes the most, um, Ike, the um, like the the um, the the, um, the, uh, the nihilistic preppy who just um, is a huge dick to everyone. When he starts um, putting guns to people's heads and demanding 
answers. Um, it's like when you're just like wanting to root for him to get these answers, and then when his um, face starts bleeding because apparently what the answers he's demanding involves some sort of crazy time travel paradox. Um, well, it's like it's kind of like okay, that's that's that that's great, yeah. But I will say that um, after rereading, I read rereading the uh, volumes one through six did help me um, prepare adequately for, for volume seven. Because volume seven is um, more or less all about the, uh, it's more standalone stories about the truants. Um, the, uh, it's like the group, the group of kids who were sent, sent to the Academy prior to, uh, it's like I'm um, prior to the morning, prior to the original, um, the original cast's arrival. And um, we finally get some, some backside, backstory into um fortunato who is the um is he's not the guy who speaks english all that all that well and um but he's deep he's apparently just you know, deeply loved by 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 akiko and um really uh let's see uh like one of the teachers just has a, a real huge um mad on for him and um it's like and he's also been recruited by by miss clarkson and it's kind of like, geez, it's just just um seeing what seeing his story right here just kind of reminds me of the uh, standalone episodes of Lost, where you'd find out about the you get a character and you'd um flashback get their backstory, um it's like a, it's like during or over the course of the episode, and that's that's kind of that's actually um kind of true for um all of the uh, it's like all the stories in this volume because we also get um one for um. Frank, um, sarcastic nerd Ian, and it turns out that he's apparently capable of existing in several, se- several versions of himself are capable of existing in the same, see, same period of time, same um, space of time at at once. Um, then Akiko, who is still in a coma, winds up um, you know exploring her um, coma ness, and we also get and even interacting with the um, mysterious um, bearded guy in. It's like in a white outfit that we've seen in certain panels over the course of the series. Um, then we see. Then you've also got. Um, oh, and then we get. Um, we find out what happened to Abraham um, after after he disappeared in Volume Five, and it turns out he just um, made his way off to a place that was um, to a place in India that was um, a room in India that was completely filled. Oh, a place in Morocco that was completely filled with snakes. Um, how he did this, no goddamn clue. But it's um, but even then, like this, see this um, this issue does give us more um, glorious Ike speak as he um, see so has so as he just um rambles on to um to Jade and of course to Gribbs who he um probably shot in the head but didn't kill which you know that's that's just sucks to be him but um now it, rereading it did give me some insight and help me clear clear up a couple things as far as saying as far as it goes, but at this point, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, is, is Nick Spencer really, um, like going to just like save all of the, uh, like all the answers for like the final volume, because if he's going to do that, it's like, that's just like a risk. sounds like a recipe for disaster for me. Um, John, it's like, I know that, uh, I don't know if you heard this, but I remember that with Battlestar Galactica, we actually remember we found out the fi- the identity of the uh, the last member of the final five Cylons in the second half of the uh, final season at the very beginning. 
all because like Ron Moore and the other creators said that they didn't want to have people wondering who was the who's the final one at the end of the uh, like at the end of the series. Speculation was rampant, I believe, at that point. Yeah, and it's like, and you don't want to have like people going going like hit like waiting on these like last batch of episodes or like last few issues or vol- the last volume saying we want answers are you going to give it to us it's like no you want to give the smart thing to do would be to follow um galactica's example and um, make sure all the major stuff is answered so that um you don't that your audience isn't br- like isn't left um hanging and braying for your blood by not getting this stuff at the very end I can only hope that um, Spencer, you know, isn't going to just uh, keep it keep us dangling. Like, oh, like he's this, right now. Volume seven takes us up to um, issue thirty-eight, and he's already said that this series is planned for a, is planned for a sixty-issue run. So we got 20, 22 issues to go. Um, assuming thing, assuming sales hold out for that long, and according to um, what I've seen on um, Diamond sales charts, uh, we, I guess, I, he it may last um, sixty-eight. It depends on how, I guess it depends on um, how, how well the series has been selling in trades um, to, in order to help supplement that. Because I know it's, people have been um, jumping ship um, consider, like by a significant degree since the series um, restarted for season two um, with issue um, 26. And it, anyway, but I'm saying is, you know, it's like, I'm, I don't know, I, at this point I won't, I, I may just, unless it, it starts becoming actively awful to um, like basically maybe go oh fuck this and um, cause me to sell every volume. It's like I'm probably going to be um, still on board f- on board for things, but um, but even then it's like um, volume seven ended with the surprise return of one of the um, formerly dead glories, um, which I thought oh god not her. So uh, I don't know maybe they'll find a way to explain why she's back and also just why I should care considering I'm still wondering, you know, the only explanation likes for what she did, what she, why she did what she did in the course of the series was just because she was just goddamn crazy. And that just doesn't, doesn't strike me as a good reason at all. But anyway, so, so we're going from a series that I, that I was really big on initially and, and, and has cooled off since to a series that I did not like um, at initially, but have since actually kind of like you know really warmed up to. That would be a Matt Kent's um, mind management. Now it's telling that the um, now in the first vo- first volume the foreword is by Lost co-creator Damon Lindelof, and so you know when you're getting when you're building a series about you know lots that's lots of unexplained questions that you know. Getting um, Lindelof to um, basically saying, "Hey, you know, I endorse this series." It's not a good sign. And in fact, the first volume I thought was kind of was actually kind of crap in the sense that it just had lot. It basically focused around a um, a writer named Meru who um, had a big bestseller years ago, but has since fallen into a rut. But then she decides to invest. Hear about this um, unsolved mystery of this amnesia flight for all the people these people who went on um, who went on this flight. They lost their memory, and um, and have been since ever been since trying to uh, trying to get the, get get their lives back in order, but except for the one person um, who was on the manifest but didn't, but wasn't with the uh, group that showed up, a guy named Harry Lime, and so she feels that he's the key to solving this, so she goes off on this bizarre quest in order to in order to solve it. Um, so, so but thing is, thing is, she does meet Lime, 
and it turns out that he's he's one of the um, survivors of this um, this government um, program called Mind Management that was that basically worked in like crazy um, like um, mind and body control things like um, being able to like heal yourself like heal yourself from any any wound um, causing people to see things and ads that see that weren't there um, inspiring feelings from from, from writings you've read, um, erasing part, parts of your memory, punching holes in, in walls because you can see the weakness, um, things like that. So it's – so and, um, and Lyme was one of the survivors from this – like from this thing. And it turns – and as we find out, um, he's also um, the guy who he's, – he's also the guy who um, basically got Meru involved in the first place. And it turns out this – isn't the first time he's he's um like she's found him. In fact, she's actually had he's actually been she's just been come here like half a dozen times already, um, because um, in order to um track down Lime so he can confess his sins to her, which include um causing a slaughter in this in this one um Zan, in this one um Zanzibarian city. And um, but at the end of the first volume, it basically turns into a um closed loop where Meru forgets everything and and it's like oh well fuck this I mean like why it's like oh it's like hey the um the character um like goes on everything and then she it's like she's going to solve this mystery and then oh it's completely taken away from her because hey you know that's that's the way they that's the way um things are going like it, there's no there, the entire first volume is one giant zero sum game that annoyed the shit out of me but then um Kint um, actually has, since this is an ongoing series, he, um, actually has to expand out of that zero sum game with volume two. And then, and so then basically has, um, Lime tracking down Meru in order to, um, basically, cause apparently currently he needs her help in, um, um, taking on the, in fighting the other people who are trying to bring back mind management and do it right this time. But since he, it was such a screwed up program to begin with, um, these people, like this is only going to be, mean bad things for every everyone involved, and so we get, and so um, two volume two was a significant improvement over the first one, um, least of which because we got to meet um characters like um Duncan the futurist who could um who could read minds of everyone within a um um five mile radius and predict the future based on what they were doing, and also um like can like um. Guess he convinced you that he was going to kill you just by using his finger, and um, see, and the eraser who could um, who was basically um out to one of the crew who's out to um get, uh, you know, resurrect mind, see mind man, mind management and her abilities to um, you know, erase parts parts of your memory, and also um, Bill Falls who we thought was just a CIA agent but turned out to be um a whole lot more, and we also find out that find a lot more about Meru's um, involvement with mind management um, at two different points in her life and how she's actually like probably their most powerful and gifted um, gra- graduate. So then it brings us to volume three, which after I read it the first time I realized, okay, I get a lot of stuff that's here, but I need to go back and reread the first two volumes in order to um, re- get all of it. And, that turned out to be um, very useful because while volume three, the homemaker centers around a, uh, it's like the, um, the, the, the actions of a Russian operative 
of the Russian end of mind man, the Russian answer to mind management, who was um, subsequently recruited into mind management, and um, basically left as a sleeper agent for years. How she is is eventually reactivated, and then the chaos she causes in her, it's like, it's like inner inner suburban, it's like inner suburban life. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy ass stuff. It's like, and um, but it's but um, Kent doesn't stop there. Because um, three also just does a good job of filling in a lot of the blanks from the course of the series. We get to see Meru and Bill Falls going back to Zanzibar and um, trying to get some answers for what happened there. Um, see, um, Harry Lime explains just you know how he um, set up Meru to come back and find him set like half a dozen different times, and why exactly now, after the most recent time he saw her, he's now missing his his eyeballs. And um, let's see, then there's also um, see the the murder mystery uh, behind um, this one wa- this one woman who uh, ki- it's like who was married to a science fiction writer, but then killed him and see and her kids, and um, the revelation of who she actually is in the mind management myth see mythos. It's like it, this is stuff that didn't quite um, I didn't quite pick up on the first time, but the second time it's like it actually it's like it it actually made actually did make a whole lot whole lot of sense and then we also get and even though like i don't i think that um kint's um art is kind of like his characters aren't really that that expressive and they're kind of like you know very monotone um it's i'm kind of warming up to his you know like like how they look nonplussed in the face of all this craziness but there is this bravura um like fold out um like four-page fold-out spread that shows you the chaos that um, the homemaker has managed to inflict on her suburban community, and it is—it is a really impressive piece of work. So, so I like so I liked that, and also um, the and also how the uh, the uh, the series the um, the volume ends with um it's like with with Meru um, basically um, taking control of her destiny and um, basically forging on her head, and and also. We get the um probably we get we get to see the um the ha- probably the happiest person in the ma- mind management um series, um, a girl who can um who can speak with not really can't really speak with animals but can communicate with them, and um he she lets she lets um and we basically find find out that she's made her decision about what to do in this conflict between former operatives of the the agency, and it's and it's handled really and it's handled really nicely and I liked how you know. It, it's it um really it went against you know what I was expecting, like um from there. But also, but it's also worth noting that um Kent is also the kind of guy who I um I like to. There's one review I read of his of this series where a reviewer described um Kent as a guy who kind of uses the whole hog in terms of comics, um what what is available to comics and he and this is like seen in in the in every volume as he um puts in like you know mind management guidelines in the uh in the sides of pages he'll do mini comics at the bottom of each of, of certain pages in each each volume while it can be a lot be a pain to just you know take all this stuff in like as you're reading every single page it's like as you read it you realize that this is actually like you know additional um almost not really quite necessary but uh, illuminating exposition for this for the series and it's like it's going to pay off at some point but most importantly, um, mind management 
I mean, it's actually scheduled to end um, with volume six. So, so basically, thirty-six issues, and um, and done. So, well, and I and I think that's that's really the, s- the smart thing with uh, that Kent's doing here that he's cramming as much stuff as he possibly can to every issue. Like it's my management is a much much denser read than uh, Morning Glories, and I think it is ultimately ultimately the better the better for it. Plus, I mean, when you're um doing a series that is like you know, so heavily contingent on see on questions and um say so, you know, just what the hell is going on that to just you know keep people wondering as it's like uh, don't don't drag drag out their wondering just have them you know it's like get, give them give them their answer like you can just just don't drag them drag, don't drag it out for long like 36 36 years is a much better way for us better length for us to keep waiting than 60 so that's that's what I can say right there. So so far, um, I'm actually I'm actually really looking forward to the next volume of of Mind Management, Volume Four, The Magician, coming out later this year. Um, and I and I and rereading these um, previous volumes is I to, to get to understand what's going going to go on there is doesn't actually strike me as as much of an ordeal as the idea of rereading um, you know all all seven volumes of Morning Glories. To get to find out all to get all the nuances of the next collection are four or five issues. So, so at, at this point, you know, Morning Glories could still turn out to be um, worthwhile in the end. But and it does certainly does have its merits. And rereading it did il- illustrate a few of them. But at the same time, I get the feeling that you know it's that um we, that there's a same feeling that um I uh, it may not be worth it in the end. And that's that kind of keep, feeling keeps growing. Like with each volume that I read. In fact, a friend of mine, um, a coworker, asked me, um, "Hey, you know, should I check out this series?" And I said, "No, it's very lostish. You're going to want to wait until the very end." So, really, at this point, if you have, if you're not already on board the, the Morning Glories crazy train, don't get on it. Wait until the end and to find out whether or not um, Spencer actually does deliver um, in the end. Mind management, however, you know, these three volumes worth reading right now. And even though they're in hardcover, um, there's still some of the densest um, six issues of comics you'll read for 20 bucks. So, there you go. John, uh, any, anything you'd like to add here? Oh, not particularly, although I won't be boarding that train. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And with that, um, well... Yeah, it's, it's, gone, it's gone on long enough, so we're just going to let you go now. Uh, yeah, yes. We're going to let you go. And, uh, you know, hey, as Comic-Con's uh, coming up this week, you're going to get ready for that and hop on board. So, uh, and with that, we'll wrap up this podcast, and we'll catch you next time. All right, everyone. Take it easy. All right.